This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. We are back. Another brand new episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. I am your host, as always, the man with the plan, Jeremy Brand. And I have a very, very fun show for you guys planned today. I'm going to be joined in a little bit by Demetrius. Mighty Mouse Johnson, UFC flyweight champion, has a fight coming up at UFC 186, which has become a bit of a debauchery against Kyoji Horiguchi. I'm going to talk to him about that, about all things UFC 186, and about his future in the flyweight division. I'll also be joined by Max Holloway. This guy has a fight coming up against Cub Swanson at UFC on Fox 15. And joining me in just a few moments in the cage.ca's Carlin Bardsley to talk about that botched, boomed, doomed UFC 186 fight card, as well as sort of what the UFC can do with pay-per-views to make it a lot more fan-friendly. So I'll have him in a few minutes. But before we get to that, I've got a crap load of news to talk about, including this past weekend's UFC Fight Night 63 card, which went down from Fairfax, Virginia. I had a few fighters from this card on my show, um, one of which being Juliana Pena. Actually, I only had her on the show. Uh, Very excited that she picked up a first-round TKO finish against Milana Dudavia in this fight. She's back on the winning track. She's back inside the octagon, and she picked up $50,000. So if you listen to my interview with her a couple weeks back, you'll know that she needs a new vehicle. Hopefully, she's able to grab that. This was a fun fight card overall. A lot of people touted this as, as a great fight card from top to bottom. That it was. Um, Gray Maynard, unfortunately, taking a unanimous decision loss to Alexander Yakovlev was a great fight for, uh, the Rushki, but not a great fight for Maynard. Maynard looked good in the very first round. Unfortunately, he fell short uh, in the two rounds after that. Women's bantamweight fight, which was the main featured fight on the Fox Sports 1 preliminary card, Liz Carmouche took home a unanimous decision against Lauren Murphy. Interesting fight. Not sure the right woman was chosen as the victor, but that wasn't the only time that happened on this fight card. I'll get to that in a few minutes here. Dustin Poirier with a huge lightweight debut against Carlos Diego Fajaya. A first-round knockout showing that he is a man to look out for in the 155-pound division. Moving up the ladder, well, down the ladder in the lightweight in the in the weight division, featherweight matchup, Clay Guida, Robbie Peralta. Guida had his way with Peralta, earning a unanimous decision on all three judges' scorecards. Now I said Juliana Pena picked up a victory, TKO, three fifty nine of the first round. Congratulations to her. Her stablemate at Sick Jitsu, Michael Chiesa, also picked up a victory against Canadian Mitch Clark. Another unanimous decision on that one. Now let's talk the co-main event. This one, if you watched the fight and you checked out Twitter 
Immediately following the fight, there were scorecards all over the map. People thought Ally Quinta won. People thought Jorge Masvidal won. This one was all over the board. I myself scored it 29-28 Masvidal. It was very, very close according to these judges, and they scored a split decision in favor of Al Iaquinta. The one judge that scored it for Masvidal, though, had it 30-27. I spoke with Masvidal's head coach over at American Top Team, Ricardo Laborio, almost immediately following that fight, and he was in utter distress. This one, uh, I don't know what happened here. I don't know what the judges were watching. I think Masvidal won that fight. It wasn't a robbery by any means. It wasn't a huge robbery. But in my mind, I thought Masvidal won. Others thought Iaquinta won because they figured Masvidal blew his load in the first round and was just pitter-pattering the pace, whereas Iaquinta was doing damage in the second and third round. After the judges' scorecards were read, the fans booed up a storm. Iaquinta took this to heart And in his post-fight speech, he had some words for the fans. And uh, they weren't choice words. No, they were choice words. He dropped the F-bomb on national television. Uh, I don't know whether this puts him in the UFC's good books or not, but uh, the victor of this fight, via split decision, was not a happy camper. It's not too often that the winner is more disappointed than the loser. (laughs) And the main event, featherweights Chad Mendes and Ricardo Lamas didn't stay inside the octagon for very long. In fact, the fight finished at 2 minutes and 45 seconds, which was probably longer, or their walkouts were probably longer than what it took for for Chad Mendes to finish Ricardo Lamas with a TKO. Mendes, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm sure he would love another crack at the title. It depends on what happens with uh, Jose Aldo and Conor McGregor, I'm sure. But he is right up there itching on that doorstep. Now it's fight week. This weekend we have UFC Fight Night 64. And we also have a Bellator card on Friday. I'm going to talk a little bit about UFC Fight Night 64. Not a hell of a lot because as, you know, many of you looking at the fight card, you're not going to know a hell of a lot of names. The entire card airs on UFC Fight Pass. It's filled with names that no one knows, but the main card is decent. Kicking it off is Joanne Calderwood, who is ranked highly on the Ultimate Fighter for the strawweight division, taking on Marina Moroz. And uh, Calderwood could very easily be a number one contender in that division if she picks up decisive victory in this one. Welterweights Sheldon Westcott and Powell Pollock will fight in the next card on this on this one. And uh, from the looks of it, Westcott is the favorite, but I know a lot of people talking think Pollock will take home the victor. Uh, co-main event, light heavyweight Jimmy Manuel returns to the cage, which is fun. I'm excited about this one. That's a fight that I'm actually excited for against Jan Blachowicz. And uh, not too sure if Manuel has any... Uh, I don't know. We'll see how that one goes. 
Main event is a fight that a lot of people are looking forward to. It's a rematch. Gabriel Gonzaga against Mirko Krokop. Um, Krokop getting beat in the first fight with his very own high kick by Gabriel Gonzaga. It was something that no one expected. Gonzaga throws the high kick, rocks Krokop, and finishes him with some ground and pound. We'll see how this second one goes. Not going to do any predictions. You can check out the MMA Sucka staff predictions in a little bit. Bellator 136, as I said, goes down Friday night. It's a fight card that a lot of people are talking about. It could be one of Bellator's best cards of the year on paper. Will Brooks puts his lightweight title on the line against Dave Jansen. Rafael Carvalho takes on Joe Schilling. Marcin Held takes on Alexander Sarnofsky. And Tony Johnson takes on Alexander Volkov. Great fight card airing live on Spike TV. So those are the fight cards. Haven't even got to the news yet. Earlier this week, Melvin Gillard pulled from World Series of Fighting 20, which goes on down on Saturday. I'm not going to talk too much about that fight card, but Gillard was the co-main event, and he's been pulled from action because they couldn't find him. They were not able to communicate with him. They didn't have his medicals, so he was pulled from the fight card. What else went down this week? You know, there were a few fight announcements, some that I was really excited for. Stefan Struve versus Big Nog is going down at UFC 190. What a fight that's going to be. Um, Todd Duffy versus Frank Mir, UFC Fight Night 72 main event. I know a lot of people aren't interested in this. A lot of people don't think that this should be a main event fight, but these two heavyweights are going to throw down. It's not going to last the full five rounds, and it's a lot of fun. Matt Brown will welcome Nate Diaz back to the welterweight division at UFC 189 on July 11th. Some fights that that aren't announced but are in the rumbling stages. Tyron Woodley wants Johnny Hendricks at UFC 189. TJ Dillashaw looking to return in July. So uh, he could be the UFC on Fox 15 headliner. Who knows? You never know. Maybe UFC 190 co-headliner. But look for TJ Dillashaw returning this summer. And uh, another one is Sarah McMahon would love a fight with Kat Zingano. That's a fight that, that could get interesting. Another thing that happened this week, the UFC hired the man who drove a bulldozer through the PED use in cycling has been hired by the UFC. They've hired Balco investigator Jeff Nowitzki to try and stop all this PED use. It's a lot. Hopefully it works. From the sounds of it, it's pretty huge. So, uh, yeah. I spoke about UFC 186 being in shambles. I said I was going to talk about that with Carlin, as well as with Demetrius Johnson. This week they lost Rumble Johnson from the fight card. He was set to take on Fabio Maldonado. Well, Bellator won the court case. Sucks for Canadians that were going to go to UFC 186, but guess what? The Bell Center is offering refunds. I don't know what the UFC thinks about that. Who knows? One other thing that I wanted to touch on before we get to my first guest. Today is the 10-year anniversary of Stefan Bonner versus Forrest Griffin at the Tough One finale. And that was a change to the UFC. This one put the UFC back on the map. It aired live on Spike TV. 
beautiful man. Stephen Bonner, Forrest Griffin, that one will live in our minds for the rest of time as UFC fans. I'd like to thank my sponsors, DraftKings. Head on over to DraftKings.com, enter in the promo code MMASUCKA, and you will get a free $3 entry into this weekend's UFC Fight Night 64 game. Make your picks, pick your five favorite fighters, stay under the $50,000 salary cap, and you have a chance at a potential $20,000. I'm going to do it, are you? Hopefully. One other sponsor that I wanted to talk about, they're an advertising sponsor over at MMASucka.com as well, ProAmBelts.com. If you're an organization that's in need of a belt, championship belt that is, or maybe medals, you might want to check these guys out. They have some great stuff. They do custom belts. If you want a belt for yourself, hell, if you want to hang up a belt in your bedroom, if you're like that, check out ProAmBelts.com and they've got you covered. So without further ado, I'm going to get right into my first guest, Carlin Bardsley, right after this. Joining me now is a man from Ontario. He's lived in British Columbia. He is the man behind InTheCage.ca. Mr. Carlin Bardsley joins me today. Thanks, Carlin, for taking the time out of your day, my friend. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate you having me, Jeremy, and uh, breaking down places where I've lived and not lived. Uh, that's uh, very good. We can play Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego next. Well, actually, that was a pretty good game. I don't know. They should do a remake of that, I think. Honestly, I enjoyed it. I, I you know, I was kind of a geography nerd as a kid, so I kind of got into it. And do you even remember the live action uh, uh, show, the game show they had on PBS? The acapella band. I mean, yes. there's a lot of good ground they can they can cover there. I did, I did. Yeah, that for a text based game, that one was do 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 do. You know, where the plane, yeah. the plane, the plane flying over the different countries and stuff, and right, and the little bandits running around leaving footprints and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, it was it was pretty cool, and you know, it actually, you know, I, I would not know where the capitals of a lot of countries are to this day without that game. So there you go, it worked. All right, moving away from Carmen San Diego and into Canada, Montreal, Quebec, to say the least. The reason why I wanted to have you on is I know you're very opinionated, Carlin. Um, No. I wanted to talk UFC 186 with you and and sort of what the UFC is doing in this day and age right now with pay-per-views and the way they're going. UFC 186 has turned to shambles. This one could very well become their lowest paid pay-per-view card, you know, lowest buy in recent history, or in history overall, it, it lost TJ Dillashaw from the evening's main event. Um, that was a huge loss. It's lost Quentin Rampage Jackson. Now, let's just talk about losing TJ to begin with. This one, I mean, having two championship fights on a card is great. It, it's going to draw eyes, some eyes. But having two championship fights of, of the lighter weight class wasn't a huge thing. So losing a guy like TJ and moving Demetrius Johnson up to the main event was a very, very big hit. Do you not agree? Absolutely. It was a huge hit. I mean, think about this. Uh, if you're living in Calgary right now and you're there for UFC 149, one of the all-time most cursed cards in the history of the UFC, you're looking at UFC 186 and going, holy jeez, I'm glad I don't live in Montreal right about now. It has just reached epically epically terrible proportions. Uh, when the thing first started, Dillashaw Barrow too, I'm a guy that really 
likes that fight. I'm a guy that thinks to myself, you know what, I want to see that. I was, you know, slack jawed, uh, you know, my, my mouth open, my, my jaw hitting the floor, watching Dillashaw handle Burrell the first time. And we always want to know, well, is it Burrell having a night off or is, or is this TJ Dillashaw and he has just changed the game? We were going to get the answer to that question. And that fell through, uh, and uh, the original semi-main event was Rory McDonald and Hector Lombard. And Rory, of course, was going to pack him into Montreal. They love him there, of course, because of his affiliation with the TriStar Gym. Hector Lombard, uh, a very serviceable contender. But guess what? I guess that anti-aging clinic that Hector was going to uh, was doing a little more than anti-aging. Who knew? <laughs> uh, so th that's, uh, that's off the table now. And, you know, Rampage, say what you will about the guy. He's at the tail end of his career, but he's a marketable name. He's a guy that people tune in for because everyone remembers when UFC was a little bit bigger than what it is now. Rampage is one of those guys that got in there. Uh, to this day, people remember him knocking out Chuck Liddell. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a mainstream MMA moment. So the people were into that. Now all that's gone. And what are you left with? You're left with Demetrius Johnson, and don't get me wrong, I like Demetrius Johnson. I like watching Demetrius Johnson fight. But I'm in the minority, and I have no problem saying that. Demetrius Johnson has not connected with casual fans. We can argue right or wrong on that, but he has not. And the last time Demetrius Johnson fought in Canada was that Vancouver card. And I'm, you were there. Yeah. I mean, you saw people streaming for the exits. When Demetrius Johnson came to fight. That's what I wanted I mean, to talk about a little bit is Demetrius Johnson as a main event fighter. He's main evented in Seattle twice on a, on lower cards, he, on the Fox cards. He's main evented UFC pay-per-view here in Vancouver as you just spoke about. People did walk out of that event, which is absolutely ridiculous. You don't see people pay enormous, enormous amounts of money to go to pay-per-views to walk out in the main event. I mean, some. I mean, locally here in Vancouver, we don't have the biggest um, fight fans. I'd say uh, we have local cards, Battlefield Fight League cards, where fans come out because they're fans of the fighters, they're friends right. of the fighters, their family, and yes, they'll stay for that guy's fight and they'll leave. So I'm not surprised by that at those cards. At a pay-per-view card of the UFC, where fans are supposed to be there from start to finish, or at least main card till finish. That was just ridiculous. So what are you thinking in Montreal? Do you think, especially the fact that Johnson is taking on a guy who legitimately does not deserve this title shot, do you think fans are going to leave during the main event? I don't think they're going to be there for the event at all, Jeremy, quite <laughs> frankly. And going back to the, uh, the Vancouver card... Rory McDonald, again, sold those tickets. They paired DJ up with Rory again, and Rory was the guy that sold those tickets because he's, he's an old-school Toshido guy. He's from the area. People came to the arena to see Rory McDonald that night, and as soon as Rory was done, no one cared anymore. They were leaving, and the same thing was going to happen uh, in this card if Rory was still on the card. They're going to pay to see Rory or, you know, uh, to, to bring it up to speed a little bit more, they're going to pay to see Rampage, and, you know, they're going to, you know, well, they may or may not care about Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson, no one will pay to see this guy. I'm not saying it's right. Don't 
get me wrong. I am not saying it's right. I enjoy watching Demetrius Johnson. I'm going to say it one more time in case you missed it the first time. But no one cares from a casual fan base perspective. They're not going to pay 60 bucks to see him. They're not going to pay you know a couple of hundred bucks to, to get a good seat in the arena to see Demetrius Johnson. They might watch him on TV. That's about it. So now that this card is being headlined by Demetrius Johnson and there's little else of note on the card, like you take away Michael Bisping, who uh, actually has a pretty decent fan base in Canada, but not enough to, to drive ticket sales for a pay-per-view, it's basically a, a regional Canadian show. And I love regional Canadian MMA. You know this very well about me, Jeremy yeah. Brand. But I'm not going to pay 60 bucks to watch it on pay-per-view. I'm just not. And uh, Patrick Cote and Joe Riggs is all of a sudden uh, probably the most marketable fight on the card from uh, a ticket drawing perspective to get people into the arena that night. And I'm sorry, in 2015, if Patrick Cote and Joe Riggs is your ticket seller on a pay-per-view, you made a serious left turn somewhere. <laughs> and why the UFC insists on charging people $60 for this card is beyond me. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. But you know what? The, the Bell Center is offering refunds right now until, uh, until April 10th, I believe, the number I was told. You can call the Bell Center if you paid money for, the, for tickets for this show, and you can get your money back. So uh, I've heard from Bell Center people today that their their phones are ringing off the hook. Wow. I, you know, I, I've got good friends of mine in the media core, uh, James Lynch and uh, Sean W. Smith, uh, among others, going up there for this show. They might be the only people in the arena by the time this whole thing is said and done, Jeremy Brand. Which is sad. I have Demetrius Johnson on the show um, a little bit later, and he's, he's easily getting the short end of the stick on this, and, and no pun intended on that, but... This guy deserves. Ah, you to, made a short joke. This guy deserves to be paid. He deserves to, you know, he he is easily one of the best fighters in the UFC, and we've seen that fight after fight after fight. So what does this guy need to do to get the name value behind him, other than gain a few pounds? Maybe that's it. Maybe 125 is just never going to connect, or maybe he just needs more time to connect. But pushing him into a spot that casual fans have clearly rejected him in is not the answer. I, I mean, I, I can't make that any more clear. Well, when you see a guy that is not going you know, to, to draw those eyeballs and you insist on pushing him uh, as a main event attraction, all you're doing is doing your event a disservice. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Uh, Dillashaw Burrell, as, you know, that was going to be a middling pay-per-view uh, as far as numbers go, as it was. Now you're hanging all your hopes on Demetrius Johnson without any sort of supporting act and you're expecting this guy to get the job done, it's not going to happen. And there's not a slight against Demetrius Johnson. He, he's just he's in an unenviable position right now where he's got an amazing talent, but no one will pay to see it. So, I don't know, unless he wants to, to, to be the 125 Conor McGregor and just uh, you know adopt a, a really wild uh, uh, persona for the press, I don't know what Demetrius Johnson does. And, you know, from everything I know about Demetrius Johnson, he seems like a hell of a nice guy. So I feel bad that he's being put in this position. But it's not, I don't feel bad enough to spend $60 on it. Yeah, for sure. Now, you said Rampage was the guy that had the name value behind him right from the get-go. But the thing is, is right when the UFC announced that he was signed to the organization or re-signed to the organization, Bellator made claim that he was still under contract with them. So why 
do you think people still believe that he would actually be on this card? Because myself, there was no way I thought Rampage was actually going to be on this card at all. Yeah, I was in your boat there, Jeremy. I really was. I, I never saw that that this was actually going to be a thing. Uh, I think this may have to do a lot more with uh, the antitrust lawsuit against the UFC than any sort of reasonable expectation that they really thought Rampage was going to be able to fight on this card. I mean, from everything I've heard, it, it seemed to be that Rampage told the UFC, yeah, I'm good to go, I can fight. And there was no due diligence done by the UFC legal team whatsoever. They're going to take a guy named Rampage at his word for a legal yeah. <laughs> opinion. Are you are you kidding me on that? So I, I don't understand uh, what UFC legal was up to unless this was a calculated move to kind of draw Bellator uh, into a pissing match, as it were. So when this lawsuit uh, goes before the court, they can say, well, listen, uh, look at the long history we have against Bellator of, of uh, this tug and war over fighters. And Bellator actually won this one. How can we be an antitrust if Bellator is not allowing fighters to fight in our cards? I think that is actually the, the most logical explanation, unless UFC legal is just a bunch of friggin' morons, and I don't believe that to be the case. So I'm looking for something a, a, a little more Machiavellian in that instance. So yeah, the, earlier this week it was announced New Jersey Superior Court prevented Rampage from fighting. UFC released a statement stating UFC 186 in Montreal, Canada will proceed as planned, and UFC is currently evaluating its fight card options. Do you think it should continue as planned, or do you think this one should have been canceled? Um, it's hard to cancel an event with, with this short notice. I, um, especially in my, I don't know. That's that's an interesting question. I don't know that you, you cancel it. I think maybe you scale it down. You put it in uh, the arena in uh, Verdun, which is just a side of Montreal that. Um, uh, Faraz Zahabi's uh, minor promotion just ran. You, you make it a fight night. You, you televise it on Fox Sports 1. You put it on Fight Pass. You do whatever you need to do there. But, you know, w with all these Canadians on the card, uh, Cote, uh, Davis versus Kaufman is a good fight. Chad Laprise on the card. Um, uh, Ali Oben-Mercier, uh, Nordin Taleb, Rana Marcos. Uh, what's the other women's fight? Help me out here. Mac Desi Campbell's a great fight. Macdessy Campbell, uh, yeah, Shane Campbell got this fight because he did a Hadouken on WSLF. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, Rakozi and Letourneau, that's the only yep. one I'm thinking of. I mean, that, that's a great, you know, Canadian card. It's just not one people are going to pay $60 to watch on pay-per-view. So if you scale it down a bit, make it a free event, you know, uh, do something, you know, to, to make them make good for the fans and, and not in a Calgary way like, don't worry, we'll be back, we'll make it up to you. Yeah, we're still waiting on that one. But uh, canceling, I don't think so. But th there's a lot of ways that you can make this event more fan-friendly, televise it maybe live on uh, RDS and TSN here in Canada for, for those that want to see it. There's been a lot of people complaining about uh, TSN's coverage since they took over the UFC broadcast rights. This would be a, a nice way to placate a lot of people. But, you know, I, I don't make those decisions. Uh, but cancel, no. But scale down, definitely. I don't know if they, I, yeah, scaling it down. It's tough for them to do that, I think, once they've actually planned the pay-per-view. I know Bellator did that. They they lost a hell of a lot of money when they did that and, and moved the, the card that they canceled back to Spike TV. I, I can't see Zufa actually losing that amount of money by doing that. Um, I think the number that, that I read, and this was a speculation number, I'm not saying this is fact, that you know they lose somewhere in the neighborhood of, of $2 million, uh, being their cut uh, based off 100,000 buys. Um, 
that is not a lot of money if you're Zufa. It may be worth it to take the hit on that and, and do a good PR move because this is a, a company that hasn't had a lot of good PR lately. So to put a, if it costs $2 bucks to put a smiley face on that, I honestly think it's worth it in the long run. I, I saw a great a great quote by uh, Jonathan Snowden. Him and Jeremy Botter were going back and forth, and he said that just just compare this to, to chicken nuggets. Say for one instance, on one Saturday night, those five ninety nine chicken nuggets were actually sixty dollars. Not forever, just this one time, and seemingly without justification. That's what he's comparing this UFC one eighty six card to. I don't eat that crap, you know. I don't eat chicken nuggets, and I, and I won't uh, eat this card either. So maybe there is a comparison there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving away from this, then not not necessarily moving away from 186, but UFC pay per views in general. They stacked UFC 187 to the balls. They stacked UFC 189. Obviously, without you know, never knowing that injuries may occur and and guys may have to pull out, but these cards are absolutely stacked. Do you think it's time for the UFC to pull back on events? Because we have events like this weekend with UFC Fight Night 64. Yes, it's a regional show. Half the world doesn't know who any of these guys are. Do you think they need to draw back and maybe do these pay-per-views a little less often? Oh, of course. I mean, uh, oversaturation has been a big problem for the UFC for a while now, and uh, a lot of us have been harping on it. Um, as far as pay-per-views go, I mean, pay-per-view as a medium is dying. You know, forget UFC, you know, just pay-per-view as a medium is dying. The technology has moved beyond pay-per-view now. So the people that are still clinging to pay-per-view as, as a main revenue stream uh, are like uh, the, the music industry in the 90s where they just refused to believe that Napster was going to be a huge problem. The game has changed. You have to uh, evolve with it. Look at what boxing is doing. Boxing is pouring a lot of money right now in, into uh, putting on free TV cards. Al Heyman is a guy that's pouring yeah. you know, a, a bunch of money into uh, showing these cards on NBC and CBS in the afternoons. And you know what? It's a great idea. What's the biggest sports franchise in the entire world, Jeremy Brand, it's the NFL, all right? Does being on free TV every week hurt the NFL in terms of revenue? Of course it doesn't. So I, I think UFC is kind of stuck in their ways a bit, and if uh, they were a little more forward-thinking, they'd be seeing uh, opportunities that they're missing. And uh, it's, you know, it, it's the way that things are going. I think in the future, all we're going to see on pay-per-view for UFC is your tippity-tippity top uh, attractions. You know, you're going to see your John Jones fight on on pay-per-view. You're going to see Ronda Rousey fight on pay-per-view. Um, you know, uh, if Anderson Silva comes back or if GSV comes back, something that is you know that will shake the foundations of the sport, as it were, getting all promoter speaky there. You know, something that you know you can really sell to an audience and say, hey, yeah, listen, pay sixty bucks for this, you're not going to regret it. Okay, yeah, I'm in. But as far as the, the smaller cars, they are going to wind up either on a cable outlet or on Fight Pass because, honestly, that, that's just where we are at, as a society right now. If you want people to pay for shit, they're getting more and more finicky about what they're going to pay for because, let's be honest, we all have less money than we did a, a couple of decades ago. <laughs> well, I hate to compare it to WWE, but they're, they're doing yeah. the right thing there with the WWE Network throwing all they're not calling them pay-per-views anymore they're calling them their special events those are all on the wwe network so if you're paying 9.99 a month you're getting all their former pay-per-views do you this should be almost the way the ufc goes with fight pass 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot about uh, the, the, the WWF, WWE, whatever it's called, uh, network, but yeah, that's the case, and absolutely, that that's a much more forward-thinking business model, because the other thing is, is you cut the pay-per-view companies and you cut the cable companies out of the game. You know, they don't get their cut anymore. You have the content. You can bring the content directly to your customer base. And really, that's where we're going to wind up sooner rather than later. So getting ahead of the game, I don't see that being a bad thing. I mean, maybe, you know, uh, the, the Fertitas, their casino guys, maybe they're just trying to cash in as much as they can now before they're forced to move to another platform. And if that's the case, it's hard to hate on them. But, like, you have to look at a thing like Fight Pass as a bigger opportunity than what they presented it so far. So far, uh, from what I understand, Fight Pass is, is more of a library than anything else, which is cool, don't get me wrong, but with regional TV deals in place, like uh, the, the TSN deal, now all, all the Fight Pass cards are kind of blocked out for us now. We have to seek them out uh, over traditional uh, over-the-air carriers. So. When when you don't have that 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 uh, direct option, that really limits you in a lot of ways. So you know, five years down the line, we won't be having this conversation. It'll all be fight pass, you know, save for uh, you know a, a few big events a year, or or it'll be something that is readily available to everyone on free TV, and we don't have to go search it out on on whatever TSN yeah. channel got <laughs> the short end of the straw that night, you know. I hope it's a little less than five years, but yeah, so Carlin, I'm going to let you go now. I'm going to let you take that tax return and have some fun with it on this bustling evening of yours. Uh, just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe, anything that you've had go on uh, recently with yourself and in the cage.ca, and, and then I'll let you go. Yeah, yeah, I got a few minutes. Uh, there's plenty of money I can spend later on. Don't worry about that. I mean, <laughs> uh, you, you know, having a big uh, tax refund check, that, that's a great thing, isn't it, Jeremy Brand? That it is, especially if you get yeah. a big refund. Yeah, definitely. Well, there you go. And, you know, I, I've got uh, the whole room in front of me right now. You like Trailer Park Boys? Love it. Love it. Well, there you go. You can sing along with me now. You know where my tax refund's going. <laughs> Liquor and whores. Liquor and whores. Cigarettes and dope and mustard and bologna and liquor and whores. You didn't sing along. No, I, I had to sit in awe with that one. I was, I'm glad to have that part on the show. That's That was a great ending to this great interview there, Carlin. <laughs> Just Awesome. Uh, yes. Very, very good. So where can All right, people uh, get a yeah. hold of you? In the cage, Josie, we've been talking about a lot of great stuff uh, lately. Um, uh, been talking about Ken Hayashi leaving the Ontario Athletic Commission. He's a guy that's uh, kind of stood in the way of the growth of combat sports in this province for a long time. His replacement is going to be a guy that is on. Uh, uh, well, used to be a Toronto police detective, now works for the Ministry of Consumer Affairs. Too early to say whether this guy is going to be any better because he has no combat sports experience. But you know. Uh, I don't know. Is it going to be the devil we know or, you know, the devil we don't know? Yeah. But at least maybe this guy is going to be more open to change. And uh, we also had a great roundtable actually last night uh, talking about uh, the role of, of MMA media uh, along with uh, our good friend James Lynch and uh, uh, Mike Russell from RealFightStories.com and who has been doing a lot of great work uh, talking about the Edmonton Commission, which is a whole other bag of worms. Just talk to that guy sometime. And Brian D'Souza, who recently got in some hot water at the uh, – the, the UFC Aldo McGregor uh, presser here in in Toronto, and that was really interesting, and it really kind of shined a light on like how 
uh, you, you know, uh, major promotions kind of get their hooks into certain ways and, and kind of uh, drive content and create kind of an echo chamber. Funny we're talking about this because like I, I look at something today on MMA Junkie and I actually really like MMA Junkie, but you know the, the, they're they're one of these sites that are. Um, you know, at, at the mercy of, of a master, so to speak. And it was, a, you know, I'll, I'll read you the title. It says, UFC Fight Night 64 fighters discuss Quentin Rampage Jackson's legal woes. And the way this guy framed the question was, you know, to all these fighters, is how do you feel about Bellator's legal meddling in the process? Like, can you ask a more loaded question than yeah. that? He basically asked the guys, just like, hey, can you shit on Bellator so I get a sound bite? Yeah. <laughs> and Bellator didn't do anything wrong. They're within their legal rights. A judge has uh, a judge has decreed that. But still, never let the truth get in the way of a good narrative. Am I right? So I, I'm a little disappointed in, in MMA Junkie for running that. I thought that was uh, a little too far for, for a site of some repute uh, to, to go. But again, that's what we talked about in the roundtable. That that's uh, a lot of issues that you can uh, you can catch there. It was really cool. And I also want to plug before I go. I have an amazing interview with Cajun Johnson coming up. Uh, this uh, was more of a political piece than a fight piece. Of course, we talked about his fight coming up in the Philippines. But he also really uh, went out and uh, talked about uh, his uh, his view on the Harper government's treatment of Native people. And it's, nice. it's a subject that's. Yeah, it's a subject that's really, really close uh, to his heart, and he, he really just, you know, he shot from the hip about everything. So it, it's going to be really cool. I want to get that up as soon as possible, but I hate transcribing, so it's taking me a really, really, really long time. I know you do, Carlin. I know you do. So other than yeah. in the cage.ca, social media-wise, Twitter, Facebook, whatnot, people can find you there? Yeah, In the Cage with Bards has its own Facebook page. It's called In the Cage with Bards, funny enough. Um, you can find me on Twitter. At Carlin Barsley, and we don't just need to talk about fighting. We can talk about a bunch of other subjects. I know a lot about a lot of shit, Jeremy Brand. So we can talk about uh, fighting. We can talk about uh, Bill Murray movies. We can talk about beer. We can talk about Guns N' Roses. We can talk about Asian women. We can talk about the things I did with my tax refund check. We can talk about the Canadian telecom system. <laughs> and... Uh, and yeah, you can I don't sing know. Trailer Park Boys. So uh, with that, Carlin, I'm going to bid you I can you do adieu. that too. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> From co-headliner to main event status, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson will take on Kyoji Horaguchi at UFC 186 in Montreal. Thanks for joining me today, Demetrius. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. So this isn't the first time you've moved from one spot on a card to main event status. Uh, do you feel being the champion that you deserve to be in that spot already, or, or are you fine with fighting anywhere on a card? You know, obviously, um, as a champion, you, you want to be, you know, at a co-main event or main event. Um, as for this, you know, certain situation, you know, T.J. Doshaw and Brow, you know, I was totally happy being behind those guys, but T.J. got hurt, so it, it brought me up to the main event, and I'm happy to be here. The the UFC 186 fight card, you know, it's taken some serious hits from TJ being injured to Rory and Hector being dropped from it and now Rampage not being able to fight. Fans are upset about the card and, and having to pay $60 for a pay-per-view. Do you see where they're coming from from this aspect? Yeah, I can see where they come from in that aspect. You know, there, there was a bunch of fights in the card that they, they wanted to see in those fights aren't on the card anymore, which is totally understandable. I mean, it happens. But at the same time, you know, it, it's mixed martial arts. You know, you're going to have 
the best fighters in the world at 125 pounds, you know, fight for the belt. We'd have Michael Bisping picking on uh, uh, C.B. Dalloway, you know, Patrick Cote's fighting. Um, the card is still great, you know, just because those guys are, are awesome doesn't mean the card is, you know, garbage. I mean, there's a lot of great fighters and a lot of great talent on this card as it stands. Do you feel a little overlooked, though, with people already saying that this card is doomed? No, not at all. I mean, pe- people are going to talk. You know, that's the beautiful thing about the Internet. Give everybody a voice to a voice their opinion. Yeah, and that's something you've been dealing with your, your entire career, correct? Yep. I, I even contemplated giving them my Instagram or Twitter just because it just gives people a chance to talk shit to me. <laughs> you You can't take it to heart at this point, I mean, right? No, I don't take it hard. It's just, you know, internet trolls. It's just funny to, to look at it. But at the same time, it's like, why do I even look at this stuff? Like, why do I even put time and energy into this this social media stuff? So that's why typically, you know, I don't post a lot of stuff. I, you know, I post stuff here and there, but, you know, there's some people who just put their whole lives on Instagram and Twitter, and they're just on it all the time. You know, if my wife wants to, you know, be involved with that stuff, that's fine. But myself, I just have no energy for it to where I just don't see there's any point. It's got to be tough, though, because you are so dominating. You are one of the most exciting fighters inside the octagon, but you're not getting the credit where credit's due. Yeah, it's the story. It, it, it happens, you know. Um, I'm, I'm, my mostly, I'm mostly focused on going out there, destroying my opponent, and hanging on to the belt as long as I can, staying healthy, take care of my family. So if, you know, me going out there, you know, finishing my opponents, you know, my last three guys, and, you know, being down on this guy doesn't give me the respect that I guess I'm warranted or guaranteed to have, then I don't know what else I need to do. So for me, like I said, I'm just focused on going out there fighting and winning, and that's it. For sure. Now, I know in our last interview that I had with you, which was prior to this fight announcement, you said that likely you would be fighting Kyoji Horiguchi, but he himself and, and many others didn't think that he was ready to take that step up to being a title contender. Do you agree with that, um, that it might be too soon for him? And if so, do you think that it's it's just a true testament to him clear to you clearing out the division so well? I honestly think it's a little bit of both. I, I think Horiguchi um, was ready for this title shot. I think he was just being a little uh, respectful, you know, like waiting for his shot. Um, I think, you know, he's 15-1. He's beat some good guys in the past and even in the UFC. And I think, you know, come April 25th, he's going to come out there and he's going to come guns a-blazing. And and for me, you know, he's the next guy in line. You know, he's 4-0 in the UFC. He hasn't hasn't lost in the flyweight division. He has one win in the bantamweight division. So that just shows that, you know, he's able to compete in the bigger weight classes as well. And I'm ready to go out there and just stake my claim that, you know, I'm the best champion and the most dominant guy in this division. Speaking of the division, do you see many more challenges at 125 pounds? Yeah, I always say there's always challenges. Just because I beat, you know, the top four or five guys, I think there's any more challenges, you know. Everybody keeps talking about Henry Cejudo and um, uh, Zach Lacoste's in the weight class. I mean, for me, he's in the weight class. So those are the guys I haven't got a chance to fight yet, and I can't wait to mix it up with them. Yeah, the one guy's name that you mentioned there that keeps coming up is Henry Cejudo. He's got that wrestling background. He's looked good, but he's missed weight. Um, from what you've seen of him inside the octagon, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he looks good, and he's made weight for the very first time at 125, so um, kudos to him, and that's how I found out about this guy who couldn't make weight. 
and you know he has good wrestling. Um, and it, it's kind of hard, you know. I, I need to see him fight somebody a little more uh, well-rounded, you know, um, like a Joseph or a John Dotson or, or a John Moraga. It's kind of hard to gauge off, you know. Uh, I want to say a one-dimensional fighter, but it's kind of hard to, to gauge him off that. Are you interested in a Dodson rematch? I mean, if, if it, um, I'm not shying away from it. If, if Dodson was his way back up, you know, let's say he gets the Jack Makovsky and, you know, there's only us in the fight, absolutely, me and him can get him up again. What are your thoughts? Do you, th- do you think that taking a super fight against a 135-er would help your name get out there more than it already has to casual fans, possibly bring you into that superstardom status? Who knows? You know, I could do that super fight and then win and, you know, then it gets so keep where I'm at, or I can do it and lose and gain all these fans. Um, um, and that's the thing, you know, I'm, I'm not focused on, you know, obviously I am focused on, you know, getting as popular as possible and gaining a huge fan base, but to what extent, you know, do I have to leave my dignity and, yeah. you know, talking trash and being the person I'm not? Then no, I don't, I don't need that, you know. If I'm going to gain fans and, and create a huge fan base by just being who I am, which is Demetrius Johnson, a guy who loves to compete and fight, a family man, all that stuff, then fantastic. That way, when the fans find out who I truly am, they're not disappointed. For sure. And, and would a super fight have to be against a champion at 135? Or, or if you cleared out the division, would you be happy to move up to 135 pounds? Um, obviously, right now, I'm, I'm focused on Kyoji, but it, the, the future isn't set. You know, I can't say... You know, who knows? I might go out and fight Uriah Faber, or I might go. <laughs> it, it, the, the, the future's never set. So for me, I'm just focused on my fight, if it's 25th. And then after that, you know, get through that, then we'll, we'll see where the, my road leads to. Because myself, I thought that something that could have shaken a whole bunch of stuff up at UFC 186 when TJ dropped out and you were moved up to main event status would have been a super fight against Hen and Burrell. Yeah, but at the same time, it's. Let's not forget, you know, the UFC is a business. They are an entertaining business. So if this was just a pure combat sport, where they don't care about numbers or fans and all that stuff, then yeah, that that could have shaken up a lot of stuff and, and got a lot of people like, oh wow, this this is interesting. But at the same time, this is a sport and and entertainment business to where, you know, Hannah Brown, he's a big name in the 135 competition. So if you go that's the fight that everybody wants to see. And then they want to see who's going to win that. That way they can see who's going to fight down there too. So they're, they're running up their pawns to where they're trying to make a big clim- a climatic, you know, ending to this kind of TJ and Hinder Brow saga. And then here comes the, the, the champ that never lost his belt and I got injured. And so they're, they're, they know what they're doing with that stuff. And for me, you know, it's the champion that hasn't been tested yet or, hasn't been beaten, you know, can this young risen star out of Japan, you know, be the very first Japanese fighter ever to hold a UFC title. So I think people, you know, miss the bigger picture when it comes to the fighters' backgrounds. But then again, you know, most people aren't educated like I am in the sport, so they miss that big piece. Do you wish, you know how you said that there was that bigger picture and and, and stuff like that with the 135-pound division? Yes, you're saying the first ever Japanese champion um, with Horiguchi. But do you wish there was sort of a bigger picture within the 125-pound division? I know it is still sort of green within the UFC, but do you wish that it, that it got built up a little more than it already is? Of course I do. Uh, I think a lot of the guys in the flyweight division, uh, 
deserve the recognition and the, the spotlight, you know. I mean, we got guys like Joseph Benavidez, um, John Dodson, um, Zach Matoski, um, just just so many uh, great, talented fighters in there. But then again, you know, there's so many fighters on the UFC roster that every single person wants that spotlight. Every single person wants to get advertised just as much as, you know, I do or Luke Rocco does. And, you know, they they have to finally pick their stars that they want to advertise and hopefully, you know, they sell out. I mean, if you look at Paige Van Zandt, I mean, she's, you know, way more recognition than, what's her name, Carla Esparza. And Carla Esparza yeah. was the champion, and she, and she was, you know, outright out about it. But at the same time, you know, the UFC, they're um, a machine, and they know what they're doing. And all I can do is do what I can do best, and that's fight and win and compete. One guy that you didn't mention in the flyweight division, a former p- opponent, you fought him twice, Ian McCall. He seems to be, he gets a lot of attention in that division. He he gets a lot of it for what he says. Do you think that he, he's better at talking than he is inside the cage? You see that I'm, I'm, I'm part of the division. I totally forgot about Ian McCall. So that just shows you how much his talking does for me. Um, but Ian McCall, he's a great fighter. Um, I apologize for missing his name. I, I totally think. Um, and I, I think he does a, a good job bringing recognition to his division, you know, with his fighting style and the way he talks because he's the, the talker in the division, you know. Just like, you know, Conor McGregor, he's brought so much more attention to the featherweight division to where, you know, now that's all people want to see is that Conor McGregor and Josie Alba fight. I totally forgot that Chad Mendes was fighting Ricardo Lamas that whole week because the press tour that, you know, Aldo and McGregor had. So, I mean, there you go right there. There's a guy who can, who can talk. And, and let's not forget, Conor McGregor can fight. He's a great fighter. So um, he, has both, he has both gifts. That's I, I was actually going to ask you that. I, uh, does the UFC talk to you personally about marketing at all? No. Because, I mean, we've seen – we saw this UFC media tour. We saw Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo getting this huge media presence before – UFC 186, UFC 187, UFC 188, and a dozen other cards that are going on prior to that card. Are, does that frustrate you at all that you're not getting marketed the same way some of these other guys are and some of these other champions are? I, I could say yes, but at the same time, like I said, you know, the UFC is a business and they know what they're doing. And obviously with the whole Conor McGregor and Jose Alba fight coming around and looming around the corner, you know, that's what everybody's going to fight it for. So the UFC is focusing most of their energy and time into that. Absolutely. You know, I would love for the UFC to send me TOG on a press tour to get the whole world going about this fight. But at the end of the day, it's a little harder. You know, TOG doesn't speak um, English. He doesn't yeah. speak Japanese. And that, that puts a huge barrier on things when it comes to stuff like that. But I think it's fantastic that UFC did the war tour with Jody uh, Allen and Conor McGregor. I think it's going to pay pay off for those guys. Um, I hear tickets are pretty much already sold out and it's going to be blown out the roof. And uh, yeah, so it's good. Basically, every division needs a Conor McGregor. No, not every division needs a Conor McGregor. I mean, it, it's, I mean, as for a business standpoint and even the UFC standpoint, absolutely, because they're seeing it that, they're seeing it that way. But for me, I'm, like, I'm not WWE style. Like, I'm just a guy who... <laughs> I'm the guy who, wow, that's that's a great like the Jennifer Pound division. That's a great division. They got great talent there. They got a, a, a hardworking class champion. He does There's nothing. There's nothing negative you say about the guy. I mean, he he's he's a stud. But, but I find that more intriguing 
uh, on, on a, a con competitive level and a combat level, you know, the, the whole, you know, by the whole entire time when the Josie Aldo and Conor McGregor got maybe through halfway through their press tour, I was over it. I was like, okay, yes, Conor, I did it. Like, you yeah. know, like, I, and I like Conor McGregor. Like, you know, I have nothing against the guy. But just watching how he was just so disrespectful to Josie Aldo and just running his mouth and blah, blah, blah. They're taking his butt. I was like, I am over it, dude. I was like, I am so, my wife's like, I am so fed up with this whole act and all that stuff. So for some people, they'll eat it up. They love it, you know, but for me, I'm just like, dude. What'd you think yeah, of that? If someone, so what if someone took your belt? Well, at first I'm like, well, one, that's not my, my belt, bro. That's the fake UFC yeah. replica belt. <laughs> so it, it would never happen because I never take my belt out of the, the house. So funny all right one one last question for you it's not about your fight it's not about uh anything to do with the ufc actually one of our guys from up here in bc has come down to train with you at amc gary manga yeah 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 gary yeah so he's got a fight coming up uh not it's actually i think it's the same weekend as your fight um he's fighting in washington for uh, super fight league america how's he looking at your gym and, and and what do you think of this guy uh, do you think he has what it takes to get into the UFC? Yeah, absolutely. Gary, he's looking good, man. Um, I think it was our second time actually training with each other, um, second time sparring each other. Um, he's good, man. He's got a great takedown. I mean, he's a southpaw. Um, he moves pretty well. Um, and it, the thing that's always funny now, I always look back, is that all my training partners are not 25ers. Like, he's a 35er, but he said he wants to come on 25. So I never get to train at guys who are actually my size. So. When I first got in there with him, I had to, you know, feel his range, his distance, his, his speed, and see how he moved. And um, he, he's looking great, and I'm very excited for him to um, compete on April 25th down at um, Emerald Creek Casino at the Super Fight League. Um, and I'm sure he's going to do well. Um, he has a great uh, coach, you know, a mentor, Bibiano Fernandez, um, which is one of my training partners. And um, I, I hope for the best. And he absolutely, he can make it in uh, the UFC or even uh, one championship. Nice. Now, I, I said that was final, but I want to get your thoughts on April 25th. How do you see the fight with Kyoji Horiguchi going down? I know you've seen him fight before. Just give us your thoughts on how it'll go down and, and how you see yourself stopping him on April 25th in Montreal. I've never gained predictions since I jumped in this sport, and I, never, and I won't change that. I always say it's going to be a long night, and I'm trying to go out there and do my best. You're going to bring it ham like you told me before. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's. Uh, I'm gonna go fucking ham. Don't don't be wrong there, but I, I I never say like I'm gonna go out there and knock this personality. No, I, absolutely, I'm gonna go hard as hell, and I I, I always give myself a long night and I do up, go out there and do my best. He is Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. He takes on Kyoji Horiguchi in the main event at UFC 186 in Montreal on April 25th. Uh, thanks a lot for your time, Demetrius, and good luck at the end of the month. Thanks, well, I appreciate it. This man is set to take on Cub Swanson in a featured bout on UFC on Fox 15 Fight Card. Please welcome Max Holloway back to Suck Radio. Max, thanks for joining me today, man. Oh, thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. Now, following your dominant performance against Cole Miller, you were told inside the octagon who your next opponent would be. Did the UFC let you know Cub would be your next victim, or, or were you as surprised as the rest of us when this happened? Uh, no, you know, I, uh, they told me that, uh, if I had a, a great performance that, uh, I would, I would have, be able to fight Cub in April, well, April 18th, you know, and I was doing the fight week, you know, so, 
was coming, I was kind of bummed out after the fight, you know. I thought great performance meant I had to finish cool, you know. But, you know, after they came up and they told me I still had the fight, it was, I was all happy again, you know. So it was just great. So did that light a bit of a fire under your ass, knowing that that was the next fight you could get? Yeah, you know, for sure. You know, it, it, it kind of was like, oh, man, you're not supposed to be kept telling me this kind of stuff, fight me, yeah. you know, but... <laughs> But then, uh, but then the other side of me was like, "Oh, I, I can't wait!" You know, there's a big opportunity for me. So it kind of balanced out, and you know, I felt great. So Cub is ranked at number five in the division, but he lost his most recent outing. You know, most of the time, matchmakers don't line up guys coming off of losses with guys on a winning streak like yourself. Does that matter to you at all? Uh not really. You know, Cub, Cub, Cubs, Cubs. He's Cub, you know. He's here for a reason, you know. And there's no no shame to lose to Frankie Edgar, you know. It, it is what it is. It just wasn't his night, you know. And I I I can't be more uh, happy with the opportunity to fight Cub. You know, he's one of the best. He's one of the best, and he's one of the proven best for for a while now. So I just can't wait to mix it up in there. You are riding a five fight winning streak yourself. You finally, you know, you get this top ranked challenge against Cub Swanson. Are you surprised that it took you so long? I mean. Five fights is a lot to get to that point in a division. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not surprised at all. You know, whatever, whatever you see, want to do whatever. You know, I believe in uh, in, in, in God and Jesus. So, you know, whatever uh, God's plan was for me, you know, at the time. So, it felt great, you know. And uh, you know, now I'm getting the fights that that I want, the big fights, you know. So it it just takes time, you know. That's, that's anything with life, you know. It just takes time, and it's gonna come along. You just gotta keep working hard and uh, be persistent. Something that has come along is 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 your game style in, inside the cage. You know, you're still a guy that goes out there and looks for the finish in each and every fight. But over over the last five outings, we've seen the progression of your game. So instead of being overactive and rushing in when you don't have to, you've really been picking your punches. Um, what is it that made you change? Your sort of outlook on the on the game inside the cage. Uh, you know, it's just you know, maturity, I guess. That's all I can say, you know, it's just uh, it's just having that killer instinct when, when it's time. You know, there, there's some guys that like Frank Yeager that you can never finish. You know, it's just impossible. You know, so uh, you just go in there, take it slow, and uh, if 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 the finish uh, unfolds itself, take it, and if it doesn't, you know, just go at the floor until until it does, and then when when it happens, when it's the right time, to jump on it. Do you feel much more comfortable in the cage that, than you did in your, your earlier years? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure, you know. Of course, you know, every fight I get more confident. Every fight I get more calm. And, you know, last kind of, the last couple of fights been blowing my mind. You know, I've been super confident there, you know, to, to the point where sometimes I hear a crowd, you know, and it's like, like people might say, you know, I'm focused or whatever, but I'm focused, you know, I'm just... It's like, you know, it's great, you know, being there and really being able to hear your partner. Does that get distracting at all, being able to hear the crowd? I mean, yeah, you said it, just being calm, you being too almost too calm in there, you hear the crowd. Does that get distracting at all? You know, not really. You know, some, some guys feed off the crowd, some guys uh, don't, don't get mad off the, at the crowd, you know. It's, it is what it is, you know. I don't let it mind me, you know. I I, I got the task at hand, and I know what I gotta do, and I know what I gotta do to get done. So I'm just focused on uh, getting my hand raised and then I'm gonna uh, uh, fight.
So Cub was riding a, a six-fight winning streak before falling to Frankie Edgar. He brings it each and every fight. So this fight, you know, you're guaranteed to be fireworks inside the cage. Do you expect an all-out war against Cub Swanson? Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, this fight, that fight, fight, that was uh, very transparent. You know, we go out there and we leave our, we leave our all in the cage, you know. So I just can't wait to mix them up, you know. Going home uh, with 50K richer, you know, on Friday night. And, <laughs> Would be, would be super nice not, um, to, to, to our now you know Swanson he is easily the toughest test to date you've had inside the cage is, uh-huh. is there any part of his game that you worry about more than anything else you know the, you can't worry about too much things you know I, I respect a lot of a lot of his game you know he's he's been here he's been at the top for a while now you know so I respect everything of his game you know to his ground to his uh, wrestling to his striking you know but you know, there comes a point where you can't worry too much you know when you start worrying you, then you start you start doubting yourself you know I don't worry you know I, I, I have concerns you know but it's nothing to do with worriness I'm not worried about anything but you know all I can say is that I've been working hard for the last uh, six weeks eight weeks so I just kind of you said the UFC told you prior to uh, your last fight on fight week that Cub was the option if you got a dominant performance. Has the UFC told you that the winner of this fight would be in line for, say, a title shot or, or right up there? No, no, UFC didn't tell me nothing, you know, so... We see, you know, we we go out there. You see, like, uh, love performances, you know, and they love uh, they love people who uh, finish fights, you know. So I'm going go out there. That's going to be my my main goal to get out there, you know, with a, get a finish and you know see what UFC has to offer after that. Obviously, a six fight winning streak has to put you right in there, though. Uh yeah. <laughs> now a guy that that has shot himself in into superstardom and and stuff like that is Conor McGregor. Does it frustrate you at all that a guy that has only been with the organization for about two years is being touted as highly as he is? You know, not really. You know, I don't. I don't really care, man. That's his trip. You know, he he shows. Uh, you know, he, he's a great fighter, but he shows it when it's about two. You know, so that's always great, but. It's great for our division, you know, you know, a lot of ways because of that guy. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, you can't hate on the guy, you know. If, if it was easy, everybody would do it, but not everyone's doing it, you know. So get yeah, respect for that, for that part, but it is what it is. Do you think that, that having a guy with a mouth like that, do you think that it, it forces other people to talk a lot more than, than they would have in the past? Um, You know, I... I think it kind of makes people fall out of character, but you know, for me personally, I, I, I'm true to myself, and I, I know who I am, who I am, and you know, I got here because of my fighting skills and not my mouth, you know. So I'm just gonna go out there, doing my hardest, the best, and you know, continue to fight, you know, and let, let my fighting speak for you know, like that's great hyping up the fight and this and that, you know, but you know, it crosses a certain line when you're just disrespecting someone and and actually hyping a fight, so. I believe. Do you give him much of a chance against Jose Aldo? Yeah, you know, I give him a lot of chance. You know, he's, uh, he's going there with these little gloves. You don't know what country he can take, you know, anyone. You know, he doesn't really sit there and have a chance with anyone. So, it's a lot of stuff for him to take the fight. It's a lot of stuff for him to take the fight. It's a lot of stuff for him to take the fight. 
You know, you've be- very quickly become the the new face of Hawaiian MMA. How how does that make you feel? Ah oh, man, I guess it makes me like my nickname, man. I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed to <laughs> to, to be this young, you know, and, and and you know how to say a lot of people always uh compare me to a uh, BJ or telling me I'm taking the torch, you know, and it's like that's a huge thing, you know. I I I feel like I'm doing great stuff, but you know, I'm not nowhere near where BJ was. You know, he's a two time champ. Uh, uh, champion, you know, in two different weight uh, weight classes, you know. So it was, uh, it's amazing to be even talked about in the same sentence as as a guy like BJ. So, you know, I, I'm just gonna take uh, one step at a time and stay focused and not let this uh, this hype get to my head and you know stay stay grounded and continue to uh, climb up the ladder. Do you have any? Do you feel any pressure, sort of living up to that expectation though, and saying that you're being compared to BJ Penn? You know, no pressure at all. You know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's no pressure at all. You know, I, I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of, and you know, I just, in this sport, you gotta really stay grounded. You know, some guys they, they they hear a few good stuff, and then they start believing into their own hype, and then that's when things start falling down for them. You know, so uh, I learned from other people's experience that I don't want to go through that. You know, so I just gotta keep my mind straight, my head on my shoulders, and uh, keep uh, fighting forward. Finally, Cub Swanson is uh, in a couple weeks here, middle of April. What are your goals for the remainder of 2015? You know, one step at a time. You know, if I could get a, a four-fight uh, four fight gear again, that would be great. But if not, you know, hopefully I could uh, start um, get get into a title contention, you know, hopefully – beginning of next year or mid next year actually have a title shot you know that's all all great things that's all my goals you know the rest of 2015 is to uh continue winning you know get get higher in the rankings and you know get paid more he is max holloway he'll take on cub swanson at ufc on fox 15 thanks for joining me today man and oh man thanks for having me it's always an honor that was max holloway it's always fun to have him on the show he sounds very calm and collected for a guy, as I said, is being touted as sort of the face of Hawaiian MMA now. Sorry to all of you, it sounded like it it was quite windy there in Hawaii where he was being interviewed, but uh, good on Max. He's, He's a guy that I'd like to see get up there to the top. He was very young. He was one of the youngest fighters to be inside the octagon at one point, and he's sort of built up a big name for himself in the UFC featherweight division. So you never know, we might see him against Conor McGregor or Jose Aldo in the not-so-distant future. Thanks to Max for joining me today. Thank you to my other guests, um, Carlin Bardsley from InTheCage.ca, as well as UFC flyweight champion Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Really appreciate having him back on the show. He's you know, a regular of Sucker Radio, whenever he has a fight, he gets on the show and and he talks the talk, but he also walks the walk, so I really appreciate having him on the show. Make sure you head on over to DraftKings.com. There is, you know, obviously a UFC Fight Night 64 game going on. It is a salary cap style drafting system. You get $50,000 to select your five favorite fighters. And this weekend, much like few other weekends is a card that you're not going to know many of the fighters from. UFC Fight Night 64 in Krakow, Poland has maybe a 
two or three, four or five names that you know on it. The rest of them are uh, no-namers. Not only to you, but to myself as well. So head on over to DraftKings, use the promo code MMASUCKA, and get your first game, any game, doesn't matter MMA or whatnot, tomorrow, or today, I mean, is the start of the PGA Tour. So you're going to miss out on that one, but there's MLB now, so check that out. I suck at it, but you should check it out. So Major League Baseball has started. NHL playoffs are around the corner. It's going to be a fun time over at DraftKings.com. So make sure you enter in the promo code MMASUCKA, and you'll get a 100% bonus up to $600 back, which is amazing. I'd also like to thank Pro-Am Belts. I spoke about them off the hop at the beginning of the show. Not going to talk about too much with what they're doing for us, but uh, it's going to be fun. That's all about all I'll say. Make sure you check out MMA Sucker on Facebook, facebook.com slash MMA Sucker. Check us out on Twitter at MMA Sucker. You can follow myself on Twitter at JeremyBrand604. With that, I'm out. Grant creates the show for the fans in this magnanimous Jerry's Good day, sir. There we go. There we go. Even though the other Carlin Bardsley that you sent me does have your little uh, UFC press conference picture on it. For real? Yep. Huh. Got to look into that later. Yeah, so someone has stolen your identity. Who the fuck would want to steal my identity? <laughs> I don't even want my identity. What the fuck? <laughs> Sport in every point because I'm passionate. I play the advocate and sometimes the antagonist. Building up the hype before a fight, this ain't by accident. In the world of mixed martial arts, I'm the evangelist, spreading the news of MMA, the number one candidate. Calibrate levels of greatness as we collaborate. Mikey Rock is Jeremy Brandis, we reactivate. Brand creates the show for the fans and it's magnanimous. Jury's out decision and yes, it's unanimous. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Out.